Welcome to the Fairview Baptist Church Discipleship Podcast. This is a resource designed to help the covenant members of Fairview Baptist Church carry out our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Joshua Johnston. Today I'm joined by TJ and Amber Henderson. Welcome. Hey, thanks, thanks for having us. Well, over the last couple of weeks, we started a new series on cultivating discipleship among our children. And uh, for our conversation, we've been using Chap Bettis' book, The Disciple-Making Parent, to, to guide our conversation. And, and just as a reminder, the information about Chap Bettis, his book, and ministry efforts can be found in the podcast notes. Now, TJ and Amber, uh, before getting into this week's topic, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? My name is Amber Henderson, and I am married to my better and taller half, TJ. We have two kids, Riley, who is 12, and Warren, who is 10. Um, We're foster parents, and we have recently said goodbye to our little guy, but for a good reason. I'm also director of biblical counseling here at Fairview and specialize in trauma. My name is TJ, and I really love talking about myself, so I'm excited to get to take a minute here and tell everybody. <laughs> uh, now, I'm uh, Amber's husband. She's my better and shorter half. <clears throat> uh, I consider myself a jack of all trades, but really master of nothing. Uh, I'm from the Pacific Northwest, and uh, the military brought me out here. The Army brought me to North Carolina, and uh, my wife has kept me here for been been here for about 18 years now. Great. Well, uh, you mentioned that your oldest is 12. Uh, she's entering into an interesting stage of life, which is the teen years. And uh, for many parents, this is a scary stage. Uh, they feel like it's at this point that they, they start losing their children to the world. And, and to a degree, I think it's understandable because it's at this point that our, our children become exposed to so many things. And, and not only that, they begin to, to rationalize those things about about those things that they're being uh, exposed to uh, in, in a different way. And so uh, Bettis, he, he dedicates several chapters in his book to the topic, particularly the, the teen years. And, and the first thing he does is introduce his readers to the power of apologetics. All right, so Amber, you're super smart, college grad, doctoral student. Why don't you tell us what apologetics is and why Bettis starts here? Well, apologetics is simply being able to defend what you believe. Bettis uses 1 Peter 3.15, where he talks about always being ready to give an answer for those who ask about the hope that is within you. Um, But I think it's important that surrounding that verse, he talks about it's not a matter of if this happens, it's going to be a matter of when. So for our kids, um, and even for us in our faith, there's, there's going to be a moment where we have to defend what we believe. But he goes even further to talk about the way that you defend. And I think it's important to note that Peter says we need to have a good conscience um, and we need to do it with gentleness and reverence. So communicating respect for the other person, but also knowing that when our kids walk away, it's really important that they have a clear conscience. And um, so we don't definitely don't shy away from telling our kids that there are going to pe- be people who don't understand our faith or even choose to believe what we do, um, and that it's okay if they make fun of you or think um, differently about you. Um, and at some point, our kids are going to have to make their faith their own. And it means that they're going to have to wrestle with God's word, uh, their own hearts, and even how they engage with other people so that their conviction um, ultimately becomes theirs and not ours. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, TJ, before talking about uh, appropriate ways to, to respond to doubts that your children might have, uh, why don't you start by laying out ways that, that most people, even ourselves, might respond, uh, ways that would be uh, mostly unhelpful? Well, Chap actually uh, talks about this in his book, uh, and his, in his words, says the most unhelpful responsive responses, excuse me, are dismissive. Um, telling kids to accept things uh, just on blind faith, um, or, or you know, further that they shouldn't even ask questions at all. And um, I mean, it's almost stifling the conversation before it even starts. So in, in that sense, uh, reacting that way would be probably most uh, harmful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so Amber, if, if, if these ways are mostly unhelpful, uh, where we uh, stifle conversation or uh, even encourage our kids to just to accept what we say without question, um, then what are some ways to, to have a more productive conversation when it comes to our children's doubts? Sure. Um, I think, first of all, it's important. One of my family mottos is rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So your kids are going to know, they're going to want to know why, and we should be the first people that have the opportunity to tell them why. So I've always tried really hard not to just tell my kids because I said so. Um, I got criticized in my parenting for that. Um, However, one of the side effects of that is it seems like everything has to be a conversation now. Um, but there are times that I can't necessarily give them an explanation and I just ask that they trust me, but that trust is built, um, by the previous times, giving them a reason why I tell them they can or they can't do something. Um, kids are naturally curious. And I think as parents, if we can grab hold of that, um, that we can walk with them through their curiosity and, and shepherd them towards being curious about the creator in ways that are, are helpful and not harmful. Well, and to piggyback on you just a little bit though, it's okay to say, I don't know. Right. Yeah, of course. And you said walk through it with them. And I think that's really important. Yeah. I I mean, in in a sense, I don't know why we would think those relationships with our kids would be any different than any other relationship. Um, I do think with our kids, we have clout that is built up, you know, and so there is a sense that, um, especially when our kids are younger, uh, they're going to take us at our word more. Um, But as they get older, they do get introduced to cultures that are radically different. And if we don't begin to address those whys before that time, uh, we can't be surprised when the culture teaches them why when we fail to do it ourselves. And so what else do you have? Um, I try to create a what we call a nomad space. Um, so my kids will come up to me and they'll go, Mom, I need a nomad moment. And that is my cue that I need to take a deep breath and just be prepared to receive what I'm, I'm being told. And oh, I, would, I would like to highlight, though, that you said it is they go to you for the nomad space. <laughs> <laughs> they go to Mom. <laughs> I'm probably not as good at that. <laughs> Um, but it, it allows them to share what's on their heart without fear of my judgment. Um, kids are going to find ways to work out what they believe, um, what they're thinking, what they're trying to, to work through. And I want to be one of the, the ones that they come to and hopefully be the most influential voice that they do hear. And that will only happen if, I, if they can trust me with their fears and their doubts or insecurities. That's great. Um, and also 
I've had to realize, especially, you know, as Riley's getting older, that I may not always agree with her where she lands on certain issues. Um, and I think it's okay for them to develop a different opinion, especially if it's not areas that are theologically vital or anything like that. Um, but I've had to, to really watch my pride and go, I, just because I might come to this conclusion on a specific topic doesn't mean that it's the only one that they can come to. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, our job as parents is to train them up in the way they should go, meaning how God has gifted them to further his kingdom and not uh, focus on training them up to expand my own personal agenda. Um, and then I think the most important thing is to be intentional about having a positive relationship with your kids. We are created to be in relationship, and discipleship really works optimally when it's done in the context of good, solid relationships. Uh, absolutely. So, um, TJ, let's expound upon that idea. So Amber says that we need to be intentional, so we need to be proactive in, in asking our questions uh, or, or asking our children questions. Um, and so what kind of questions come to mind? Like what kind of questions do we ask our kids? Yeah, um, I think it really depends, you know, uh, obviously on the kid's age and, you know, have they asked Christ into their life yet? You know, so that you're, we're going to tailor, obviously, what we say and what we ask them about based on those things. But uh, I, I try not to go super over the top, you know, off the top rope spiritual on them. I mean, our kids are young, you know, and uh, I mean, I'm not, I don't know that I could do that if I wanted to anyways. But um we try to keep it basic and simple. And I think for me, there's a few things, just easy places to start, um, are to just start asking those big picture questions. Why are we here? How did we get here? What happens to us when we die? Um, it, it may not, even if it's not getting to the question that you want to get to, you're not asking it right off the bat. Some of these more broad questions in the beginning can help you start to feel out their curiosity and they may naturally start bringing up things that, uh, that they're wondering about. Um, one thing that on just a real practical note that I like to do is if I read something myself, uh, you know, read a proverb, I mean, I typically read a proverb a day in the morning and it's easy and simple and kind of gets my, my brain thinking on the right track. But if I find something that's that I find very wise or that would be worth sharing with the kids, uh, I'll share it with them and ask them what they think. What do you think about this? What do you think? What does it mean? What does it mean to you? Um, but uh, I think the biggest thing for us is that we just want to foster, we want our kids to start uh, understanding, like we talked before, the why and not always just the what. It's easy to tell them, you know, Proverbs says this, you should believe this, or the, the Ten Commandments say this, you need to believe this. But really helping them to foster why do they believe that um, it's just has been a really important focus for us. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's interesting because, you know, when the kids are growing up, um, you know, they reach that age and, you know, usually it's like four or five years old where all of a sudden they love the question why. And so it's, mm -hmm. it's why everything. And there are all these... Uh, Questions that I can't answer, you know, usually, you know, like, why is the sky blue or why, did, why is the grass green or, you know, things like that. And uh, so I'd always kind of like snuff out those kind of those questions because I just would have enough and be like, enough. Um, one thing I've realized and, uh, and really realized 
from a negative point of view, uh, is that when it comes to asking questions, it's a skill that's developed. And if you never ask your kids questions, it becomes hard to start asking your kids questions. And so developing that culture where we talk about stuff or we ask questions, I think it's really important uh, because one of the dangers is if you wait too long, when you want to start asking these tough things, like when your kids are already 16 or 17 years old, it almost feels like you can't do it. Um, or um, it feels like maybe from their perspective that there's an agenda behind it and it's not just something that we do. So Amber, uh, from your perspective, um, what are some areas that parents should consider addressing with their children um, at, at an appropriate time? Oh man, this is a tough one. Um... The major topics that I run into um, in counseling and parenting and in life in general when talking about this this age range, and I would even include it maybe 10 through 19, 20, um, they typically revolve around electronics, relationships, and pornography or sexual sins. So we probably, we address pornography very soon, um, especially after electronics were introduced for our kids. And even though we have guards in place at our home, exposure can happen anywhere else. It could happen at school, at a friend's house. And so while we might can control their environment here, it's not enough. We have to teach them, you know, the why behind the dangers um, that lurk behind pornography. Can I, can I interject one thing real quick? Sure. Like you said earlier, building that credibility in the beginning, this is where I think that it really becomes important to establish that as a parent and engage your child so that when it comes to this point, kind of to like what you said, Joshua, they feel comfortable telling you, mm -hmm. you know, um, I've had that discussion with our son, you know, not because I want to make sure that he feels comfortable if he's exposed to it somewhere else to come tell me, Hey dad, when I was at so-and-so's house, I saw this, or when I was doing this, I saw this, but anyway. yeah. Um, and you know, they want to know the why behind everything. And so, you know, fortunately I've had the opportunity to kind of study what happens neurologically when we view pornography. And so I tell them matter of factly how it affects their brain. Um, and we don't have the time to discuss that here, but viewing pornography does affect their brains. And once you develop a habit, uh, which is neurologically stored in your brains, you have to be very intentional to change it. And so it's one of those things that if you proactively guard against it, then you're not reactively trying to um, fix something that's already kind of become a habit for you. Um, and the reality is, is your brain can't determine what's real and what's virtual. And so pornography, the effect it has on your brain actually has profound impact on your real relationships. Yeah. You know, I think that's really good. So, you know, I think sometimes if, uh, our, we are a Christian podcast about discipleship. And so we think that our answers have to come solely from the Bible, but I would say rather they should align with biblical teaching. And so, um, the reality is, is that God has given us great capacity uh, to become knowledgeable about things, to, to learn things from, from the sciences and, and, and other fields uh, and, and, and incorporate that. So when we're talking to our kids, um, I think when we have the opportunity to turn to Scripture and say, God's Word says this, 
and God says it does this or says this for our good. How is that? Well, let's look at how the science that God has given us support the goodness of God in, in what he's given us. So it's, it shows them that it's not just that God has told us to do something or not to do something, but he's told us to do something or not to do something for his glory and for our good. And so I think seeing those two things together is, is really, really good. Um, what else do you have? Absolutely. Uh, to your point, I would say everything I've learned about uh, neuroscience actually confirms everything that God has mm. already said in his word because he knows how he created us. And so I think it's really neat to be able to point that out to our kids to go. The Bible, yeah, it might be thousands of years old, but it's not telling us anything new that researchers aren't finding out today. We talk about that all the time. Science proves God, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. See it in nature, see it in whatever we're outside, hiking, whatever. Yeah. Um, so the other area is um, about relationships and sex. This is another topic that I don't feel like kids can avoid. And it seems to be, um, the exposure seems to be happening younger and younger. But I think for us as parents, it's really important to have a biblical understanding about sex, um, that it is a good thing that God created, and it was meant for a specific context. Um, And so for me growing up, I had my mom, she talked to me about everything. And so I try to do that in my parenting. But she also, when it came to sex and relationships, she never shied away from the fact that we're going to desire them. Um, and so I don't shy away from explaining to my kids that your bodies are meant for sex and they're meant, and at some point you're going to desire it and it is a good and right thing. Um, but the temptation is when we want those good and right things outside of God's plan for them. And, you know, Satan is a master manipulator and he can make it tempting to question if God's way really is best. And the reality is that sin is fun for a season. And if it weren't fun, it wouldn't be tempting, but there are consequences. And I tell my kids this all the time. You can make your choice, but you can't choose your consequences. Mm. And temptation is something we all experience. I'm honest with them. I still face temptation even to this day. Um, Jesus experienced temptation. Um, And so part of discipling our kids is teaching them how to respond when they're being tempted. All right. So for both of you guys, you have called us to uh, address hard questions and issues with our kids. And so how can we prep parents to address these types of questions? Well, I would say first, it's okay to feel uncomfortable. I've talked to my son (laughs) about some of this stuff that, I'll be honest, I had no idea what I was going to say. And then uh, was not necessarily prepared for the onslaught of questions and and dialogue. Uh, You know, Amber mentioned she had, uh, in her upbringing, was shared with, her mom shared a lot of things with her. uh, And, you know, we were a little bit different in that way where... Um, I may not have had that type of uh, experience. So for me, it was a little bit more of a challenge, right, to to be able to know where to start um, and what to say. Um, but I would say first, just don't be afraid to, to A, not know. It's okay if you don't know. Reach out. Um, 
to fellow folks at the church, to pastors, to there's a lot of resources. I mean, I know I was helped out uh, when it came to pornography uh, and kind of learning how to discuss that with my son. We got great resources from a fellow church member that gave me a little bit of guidance and direction. Um, so yeah, so don't be afraid to look for resources uh, and just don't be afraid to be uncomfortable. Um, I had to really grow into that one and, and then use a little bit of humor and stuff with my son and even tell me, I know it sounds weird or, yeah, that sounds crazy, but, yeah, trust me, that's how it works or this is what happens. Um, so I think for me, uh, from my point of view, is, yeah, be okay with the uh, the uncomfortable and don't be afraid to to not have every answer right off the bat. Yeah, because you can always help find the answer maybe together or come back. And I know that there's been times... I get embarrassed and I turn red or I giggle because it is uncomfortable, but um, I want I want to be able to have those conversations with my kids because what I do see is if I can't answer those or help my children answer those questions, they're going to find the answer somewhere. Yeah. Well, and I've even told, told my son, uh, you know, yeah, I'm your dad or your earthly father. But you accepted Jesus in your heart, and right, and now we're brothers in Christ. And we're on this journey together. I'm not your father in heaven. You have a father in heaven who has all the answers. I'm your brother, and I'm, I may have a little more spiritual experience than you, but that doesn't mean I know everything. Yeah, yeah that's really good. Um, you know, um, there's this, this chart in one of these, uh, in a discipleship book that uh, I've used many, many times with men, and uh, it talks about... Um, Growing in different uh, depths of understanding. Uh, in, 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 in the book, it, it deals primarily with scripture. And so, uh, you know, on the top of the pyramid, it's like when you grasp it the least, and that's just like listening to something. And then if you engage other senses, you know, you're, you're reading and listening, okay, then it's even better. Uh, but when you start getting into a level where you're starting to teach, you know, like you have to intake it and internalize it in a, in a different way. And I think one of the beautiful things is when we get asked a question we don't know in, in really any capacity, even amongst a, an unbelieving friend, um, it's okay to say, I don't know. And then to, to search the scriptures, to talk to friends, to look in other resources and uh, use that as an opportunity to edify yourself uh, and then return to your to your, your child in this case and, and and grow together which is this beautiful picture of being brothers in Christ sisters in Christ um, what else do you guys have on that I think the only other thing is ask your kids their opinion let them work it out on you and I try to um, Riley's kind of working through some stuff right now politically and mm-hmm. So I just kind of ask her questions and um, help her to think through it. And it's just neat to watch how she processes that. And, man, I think we've gone round and round about it for weeks now. But it's just ask them why. Kids like to talk. And it gives you a little bit of insight into their heart, what they're they're struggling with. And it can help you pray specific things for your children. That's wonderful. I was just going to add, I mean... It may seem like it's not a it's not a real quick return on investment, but taking that time to let them talk, I've seen it start to play out, um, and started to see our kids be open and ask questions. Um, 
And so sometimes it, yeah, it might seem like a challenge in the beginning. Just the other night, uh, Warren wanted to talk to me and, or actually he wanted to talk to mom (laughs) and mom was comfortable. And I, so I said, I got this and I went in there and he said, no, I don't want to talk to you. (laughs) I was like, excuse me. (laughs) But, uh, he said, mom lets me talk to her. And I know that just uh, frustrates you and you get annoyed when, when I just want to sit here and talk. And I had to stop for a minute, you know, and I told him, I said, you know what? I'm sorry that I responded to you that way. If you'd like, I'd like to have a chance to sit and listen to you. And he said, oh, okay. And he sat and and talked. And it was kind of one of those gut check moments for me, you know, just to think about those reasons. Well, why does he not want to? Am I really, do I seem that impatient? Um, But it was encouraging to me that when I swallowed my pride a bit and sat with him and apologized. He wanted to do that. And I, I think that's what I've learned is that kids want to do that. Mm-hmm. They crave that uh, relationship and, and that ability to be um, connected to their parents. So just give it a shot. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Uh, well, for parents and uh, grandparents that might be listening, um, let me just uh, recommend a couple resources, and I'll, I'll make them available in the podcast notes um, for parents with, with younger Children, uh, even going up into the tweens, um, there's a book by Bruce Ware uh, called Big Truths for Young Hearts. Uh, goes through several theological issues, um, but does it in, in, in a way that's really edifying to the parent as well that's reading through it. Um, and then for older children, um, student age, there's a book called Confronting Christianity by R- Rebecca McLaugh- McLaughlin, uh, and it's a, it's a wonderful book as well, a little bit more in-depth, um, but uh, deals with uh, some of the core issues that the world is wrestling with, and as a result, your children will wrestle with. Well, Amber and TJ, I, I want to thank you guys for joining me. And so let me pray for you guys, pray for our kids. And to do that, I'm going to use Jesus' prayer in John 17 as he prays for believers. So let's pray. Um, most gracious Heavenly Father, um, my prayer is not that you take uh, our children out of this world, uh, but Father, that you might protect them from the evil one. Um, Father, that they are not of the world, um, but Father, that um, Father, that they would be different from the world, and Father, that you may sanctify them by the truth, and your word is certainly that truth. And so, uh, Father, may they be sanctified, may we be sanctified, uh, and may we look forward to when you finish that work in us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, I have one more question for you guys. We like to end in a not-so-serious question. And so my question for you both, have you ever picked up a hitchhiker? And if so, are there any crazy stories around that? I'll go first. Okay. Mine's probably shorter. So uh, You picked up Amber <laughs> one day. The rest yeah. is history. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually have never picked up a hitchhiker. I was I was racking my brain thinking, surely I did at some point, but I guess that was kind of a generation behind me, or I don't know. Uh, maybe in the Northwest we didn't have a lot. But funny hitchhiking story, though, or ironic story, my dad actually picked up a hitchhiker and dropped him off at the hitchhiker's house where my mom actually lived and wow. met my oh. mom. It was my mom's older brother. Oh, that's wild. And, uh, yeah, then, like I said earlier, the rest is history. They've been married for 41 years now, 42 wow. years or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Amber? 
Yes, I have. Yeah, of course, of course she has. <laughs> Earlier today. Yeah. No. He's in the living room right now. Yeah. <laughs> Any crazy stories? I was, I think, 16. Oh, wow. Or 17, and it was a lady who was pregnant in the parking lot, and it was her and, I guess, her husband, and they were like, we need money for a hotel room, and I was like, mm, you're not going to get me. I said, well, I'll drive you to a hotel, and I'll pay for a room for you, and they were like, oh, okay, so they both hopped in my car, and I drove them to a, a motel and got them a room, and then I went home, and I was telling my mom, because I was so proud of myself, and she was oh. not <laughs> happy, so she validated my intentions, but I got uh, chastised <laughs> pretty severely and then about a year later I saw her in the parking lot and she was like the same amount of pregnant <laughs> I thought, well, as smart as I tried to be I totally got taken yeah. what's funny is I, I asked her before this if she's told her state retired state patrol father that this happened I don't think she has no, to this I don't think to yeah. this day he knows <laughs> Well, uh, I have picked up one as well. Uh, well, I actually picked up several. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but one was coming home from uh, my wife was still, I think, finishing up college in, a, uh, in, in Huntsville, Texas. I was living out of Fort Hood, Texas. And so it's about a three-hour drive or so. And I saw this guy at kind of just at a rest stop off to the side. He was pretty rough looking. Uh, once he got in the, the car, I realized he couldn't see for nothing, even with like glasses Ooh. like... You, you had, you had to read I something. feel for him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, I asked him where he was going. He said he was going to Houston. And so uh, we rode together for, uh, actually went out of the way to drop him off in Houston. So it was about a four-hour drive together. And uh, we just listened to uh, George Strait, all the number ones uh, together. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, was, it was interesting. Uh, good, good opportunity, I guess. Well... You guys have done good, uh, and I want to thank you again for, for joining me, and until next time, Fairview, may we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm.